Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live as we're coming to you from the studios in uh, the uh, near Southside District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota, Father James Gross. Joined today, as always, by my uh, compatriot and my classmate, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Morning, Father Gross. The word today is autumn. Autumn. Yes, you indeed. Know, here in these northern climes, we so often do not get a real fall season. Mm-hmm. We get like a day of fall or a week of fall or something. But I'm so excited. I'm so stoked. It just glory. It uh, is a picturesque morning. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, and we're grateful for that and grateful for the guests whom we're going to be uh, able to visit with in the next couple of hours. Uh, before we launch into that, go ahead and uh, start us off, if you would, please, Father, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. May we be your great glory. Heavenly Father, your glory is in all the earth. We thank and praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ, is the Word incarnate. May the Word through the Holy Spirit go forth through Real Presence Radio today, touching hearts and minds and imaginations, lifting us up, giving us the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. May the Gospel go forth and uh, claim all people. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And we call upon the intercession of Saint Padre Pio. Pray for us. Name Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll be mentioning a little bit about him. Uh, there's some wonderful stories dealing with him and just this modern figure of popular piety in the I church. I thought we could spend all morning talking about, oh, I don't know, things like uh, bilocation, levitation, stigmata, um, reading souls. What do you think, Father Gross? <laughs> that gets us part of the way there. No doubt about it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, in, and also in the second hour, I, I just want to make a mention of uh, yesterday's programming with the Catholic coach, Tim Moser, and his uh, concentrating on the beginning of the 40 Days for Life prayer and fasting campaign. So we'll be speaking a little more about that in the second hour with some local uh, folks very devoted to the pro-life cause. But as we begin our programming today, we go back into the uh, the, the dusty stacks of our library here at Real Presence Radio. Now, Father Gross, I hear you, you're mentioning to me your entire commitment to Real Presence Radio and the sacrifices that you are willing to do. Oh yeah, do yeah, just for, pile on the martyrdom. So what, yeah. uh, what, what <laughs> sacrifice did you make for this program this morning? Well, I will inform you about that in just a moment. Let's bring in our guests today. We have Father William Slattery, a fellow priest of the Diocese of Fargo. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you, Fathers. It's uh, good to be with you this morning. Fantastic. And we also have with us Nancy Gord uh, uh, for our monthly visit. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Nancy. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I know, and, and 
in in the interest of full disclosure, <laughs> I very much uh, appreciate the the legacy and many of the writings of G.K. Chesterton. We are going to be visiting about uh, the novel The Napoleon of Notting Hill, which personally, really, as I was reading it, I thought to myself, this isn't exactly my cup of tea. So I'm I'm really looking forward to you guys enlightening me in the next couple of segments and and maybe talking about some some broader issues as well about this today. Um, Before we dive into the book itself, um, G.K. Chesterton has become a pretty um, influential figure. So maybe, Father Slattery, we could begin with you. Um, Just, you know, share with us uh, some of the impact that he's made in the Catholic world uh, over the last century. Yeah, um, I think if you look at, uh, you know, kind of Catholic Christian writers um, that are well-known today, I mean, he would be listed among one of the top lists, and uh, and uh, particularly for the Catholic world, uh, you know, Chesterton um, is is seen especially as a, a intellectual thinker and writer um, who gave kind of a, a, a witness to the beauty of the faith and uh, and how... Uh, kind of conversion can come through the pursuit of the truth. Um, you know, as a young man was raised kind of in um, a more Presbyterian community and, uh, and ultimately uh, struggled with his faith, um, came around uh, ultimately to the uh, Catholic Church um, through his his pursuit of, of faith and writing uh, a book that's probably well-known to many readers, Orthodoxy, um, and uh, became a stalwart defender of, of the faith in a, in a time period where um, kind of scientism was beginning to become the uh, kind of the main orthodoxy of the day. And so uh, mm-hmm. kind of a writer who was born in 1874, died in 1936, was known for his many different plays, novels, um, poems, essays, um, liter- literary criticism and everything, uh, just across the board. Um, very gregarious, an affable figure, um, kind of a, a mountain of a man, and his personality matched his, uh, his, his figure. Right, right. In fact, uh, now that you bring that up, I want to share a, a funny story that I saw. During World War I, a woman in London confronted him and asked him why he wasn't out at the front. You know, and and he said something to the effect of, "Madam, if you go around to the side, you will see that I am." <laughs> Comment on his large girth. He was yes. very six yes. foot four, six and, foot four, know. about three hundred pounds, right. almost mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, um, you know, one of the other things about there's so many things about him that are fascinating. But one, I, what I really want to mention is the relationship that he had with his wife, and you know, and unfortunately they they weren't able to have children, but. You know, it's famous how like he he was kind of like your absent-minded professor in a certain way. He didn't he didn't tune into practicals around himself, and his wife really suffered and had illnesses, and so wasn't really able to travel. He traveled quite a bit, speaking mm-hmm. tours and stuff. And but at the end of the day, he would always check in with his wife, and he would say something like, "You know, here I am in London. Where should I be?" And she would always respond, "Well, at home, dear." You know that. In other words, she always orientated him to where. He was to be, and she really was his secretary and the one who kept him focused in the practical way. And they they had this beautiful relationship uh, across life where they were quite quite the team. You know, we always hear about G.K. Chesterton, but we never hear about his wife, who was really behind the scenes and and kept him grounded. Really, and she was the she really was the main reason why he rediscovered his Christian faith and came back to mm-hmm. Christian faith and eventually became Catholic. So, 
Right. Also, with regard to um, uh, PBS fans, will recognize the the Father Brown series, and they have uh, G.K. Chesterton to credit with that. Um, Nancy, if you can take us into some of your uh, personal experiences about um, reading Chesterton, kind of in general, how how that has how that impacts you. Well, I think the thing that I find to be the most lovely about his work, and when you look at the Napoleon of Notting Hill, it's really an absurdist comic novel. And those Mm -hmm. of us who have read it, uh, it's not a long book, but there are times you're just almost like, what is going on and what is he trying to tell us? (laughs) And uh, because because it is set up to be London in the future, but he was very fond of medieval themes. And so he has, like, medieval warfare and standard bearers and weapons in this, even though by the end of the book it's advanced into the 21st century. But what I like about Chesterton so much is the fact that you're reading something of this nature, and he will come up, and I was talking to Father Slattery about this earlier in the week, with the most touching, brilliant line that just jumps out at you and is just begging to be highlighted. And I'll just quote one from this book. Okay. That which is large enough for the rich to covet is large enough for the poor to defend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because this book is really an allegory about colonialism and also the eternal conflict, and G.K. investigates this a great deal, the conflict between those who view the world cynically and those who view it zealously. Yes, indeed. You know, so Father Slattery, you know, I mean, Chesterton, he has so many famous works and poems and different things that we could have zeroed in on. What was, what was your motivation for, uh, for choosing Notting Hill? What, why, why was this the work that you wanted to focus on? I think uh, two reasons. One, I think because the work itself kind of fits his personality, um, when he, when he kind of floated the idea for the book, uh, he had 10 shillings to his name, um, and then he went out and got a shave, had a nice dinner, and then went to, uh, went to his publisher and then basically uh, asked for an advance on this idea uh, to pay his bills. <laughs> and they can, this was when he was married, so you can imagine uh, his wife at home. Uh, you know, worrying about the finances. Uh, it just kind of fits his kind of personality of just even the bravado of uh, of the, his writing. And so that would be the first reason. Um, the second reason would be, you know, as, as uh, I, I read this when I was in college and uh, when we were looking at different texts to read and ideas, um, we wanted to touch on Chesterton, and I thought it was one of his lesser-known works, but I think uh, a particularly beautiful work when it comes to... Um, his style of writing that encourages these two themes of uh, of being a humorist and being uh, being a person uh, deeply concerned with love, almost a romantic. And these are kind of the main figures in Napoleon of Notting Hill, that there are kind of uh, a need in our culture for for joy and for laughter and love. It, it- is there anything that could be said about the fact that this really is kind of his first attempt at a, a novel? And it's kind of, I mean... And he's right at the beginning, kind of his of his Christian journey, really, because he's just newly married. He's young, and his thought is developing. Um, is there anything to be said about that? That it's that it's one of his earlier works. Yeah, yeah. I think like uh, 
I think if you look at a lot of themes that will come out later in his writings, it does center on these these kind of uh, issues. Um, and he, you know, was a man deeply concerned uh, with his world that day, and especially kind of the lack of of concern that individuals had, just letting the world go, and those who are kind of in the industry and you know, kind of economic machines of the British Empire were seeming to run everything. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of seeing the culture erode um, as these kind of technocratic mechanisms take over. And I think uh, it reflects kind of his, his style as a journalist, um, even the Auburn Quinn in, in the, the book, particularly, you know, uh, at one point, you know, leaves his duties as king to kind of dive in as a, as a wartime journalist and as these battles are taking place in Notting Hill. And so I think he, he's kind of uh, living out his, his ideal as uh, kind of his young journalistic career and seeing the impact that he would like to see uh, change his, his current culture of his day. So Nancy, could you could you go ahead and set the stage for us and just give us a background here now of the this particular work and and what we should be looking forward to? Well, the novel really is an allegory about colonialism, and that it is so symbolic in many many ways. And one thing I do want to mention is Chesterton really talks about what is there in your life that is worth dying for. And in this case, it is Pump Street, and immediately you think of the heart, Pump Street of Notting Hill, that Adam Wayne, the man of great faith, the zealot, is willing to lay down his life for that street in his community because he wants to stop um, a development that is going to be going through his neighborhood of London. And uh, it's one of the striking scenes is the attempted negotiation between those who wish to purchase uh, property and the resistance of Adam Wayne, where they're coming at it with a, a perfectly logical approach. You know, if, if anybody else was a, was offered just a fraction of the money we're offering you, they would take it and run, and yet uh, he chooses not to. So it's it's as though... Uh, Chesterton is saying that there's something that cannot be equated in in currency that you have to stand up for. Because it's that precious to him, mm-hmm. that that community of his, and he he's a romantic in many nature, in many ways too, in his nature, it, it, Adam it, Wayne. I, and I think it brings out too. Chesterton is always playing with this, where on the one hand you have the progressives, on the other hand you have the conservatives, and he he was opposed to both of them. He was saying, you know, progressives basically get you in trouble, and conservatives keep you from ever solving the problems, you know, kind of thing. And I think this is brought out in this, like, sure. is there something worth dying for? Right. Kind of a right. Idea. Well, we've whetted your appetite, folks, as we're talking about this Chesterton work, The Napoleon of Notting Hill. We'll continue our conversation with Father Slattery and Nancy Gord after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, as hosts today from the studios here in Grand Forks. At the bottom of the hour, we will begin our straight talk segment. And uh, this is going to feel a little familiar to us, Father Leffer, since only one week ago we were in this very same studio helping Real Presence Radio with their uh, fall live drive. It's it's wonderful to be back in the saddle again. Yes, indeed. So we don't have the excuse of working out the kinks or anything (laughs) like that. 877-795-0122 is the number to call with your questions. And you can also leave questions on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. So we were talking about a novel called The Napoleon of Notting Hill by G.K. Chesterton, someone who is really renowned not only in the literary world, but also with regard to um, you know, Catholic piety. And he's a little bit of a... Uh, 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 of an oxymoron in a sense because he wasn't this um, severe ascetical figure you know um, uh, I mean he was moderate in a lot of things but enjoyed many of the things of life and was uh, um, somewhat uh, rotund in fact his uh, colleague George Bernard Shaw there is an interesting little um, uh, anecdote where uh, Chesterton said to the gaunt and, uh, th- and skinny Shaw to look at you anyone would think a famine had struck England and Shaw retorted to look at you anyone would think you had caused it <laughs> so that's uh, one other little and, example and it, of the witticisms between it shows them. you like between uh chesterton and shaw and others they they can very contradictory ideas about reality and yet they were 
you'd say best of friends almost. Or yeah, or yeah, they didn't. For one right, right. Whereas in a in a time like today, they'd more likely be because of social media, you know, just uh, um, sworn enemies, that sort of thing too. But um, well, uh, we were talking. Go ahead, Nancy. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought about that as well, this relationship between Shaw and Chesterton, that if this were today, they wouldn't even speak to each other and listen. And here they were very, very good friends, and they had such different worldviews. And again, one very lean, a vegetarian, and one very, shall we say, robust, Mm -hmm. and not exactly uh, a temperate man in terms of his appetites, but but they were good friends, and you just don't see that anymore. If you have differing opinions, you just ignore that person altogether. Their respect you, made that safe space to you, for you, the verbal jousting. You actually work hard to cancel one another. That's the thing now. You cancel them. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you don't agree right. with me, I wipe you off the face of the earth kind of thing. Yeah, right. yeah, but just uh, no tolerance. I think that okay. reflects the personality of Chesterton, though. I mean, the Chesterton particularly was known just to have, like, again, an affability, a desire for friendship, even with those he dis- disagreed with. And, um, even when he was in debating, I mean, the style of his debating was, uh, you know, to not, you know, humiliate, but to, again, have fun uh, in a friendly way with his opponents. Um, and it, it, that way, I think, it was his own kind of way of bringing people around to the power of truth, um, as they and talked I think and it, spoke it, it, and debated. You know, brings out one of the qualities of Chesterton, which is he, he was asked, absolutely confident in the sense that he he had this idea that he had the advantage on anybody that he was speaking to. And so he didn't he didn't do things to destroy people, but he was very interested in exposing truth, the reality of of ideas and, and the consequences of of your choices and decisions in life. Right, right. He was what I would call very intellectually confident. Mm-hmm. And so secure in his faith. You know, and it's interesting at the end, too, when, you know, the kind of the disembodied voices of, of Adam Wayne and um, Auburn Quinn are conversing, they do end up at the end of the book going off together. And because they say the man of mirth, the cynic, and the man with zeal, faith, are two sides of the same brain. And that is something that Chesterton really addresses in this book. Mm-hmm. So uh, during during the break, uh, Father Slattery, you were alluding to something that followed up on what Father Leffer had said about um, the uh, political messaging, you might say, that came through, in a sense, in Chesterton's novel, The Napoleon of Notting Hill, uh, reflected in the kind of the, the pride and the allegiance of the various uh, neighborhoods in London. Could you just uh, expound on what you were mentioning to us a moment ago? Yeah, um, I think... Uh if you look at the time period that Chesterton is living in, uh, you have kind of uh, a, a very interesting growth and development of uh, kind of some of the the problems developing in kind of capitalist nations, uh, moving towards kind of socialism, communism. There's a lot of uh, questions about economic and political structures in the world. And uh, he, as Chesterton uh, was writing and grew in this time period, um, he became an advocate of what was called distributism, um, which is uh, something that kind of reflects a lot of the writings of Rayo Navarro, of uh, the different encyclicals of, of the you know, social teaching of the Church during that period, of uh, kind of a call for um, basically a search for justice in, in 
and our economic and political order. Um, and so this novel kind of reflects some of those tenets of distributism and how this can become a way we overcome some of the tendencies and unjust realities of, uh, of these different political and economic systems we see in the world today. Uh, he, wasn't, he definitely wasn't a communist. <laughs> Right, uh, right, you know, as an as an individual, uh, and again, and he saw some of the problems of kind of this different, this indifferent pursuit of of uh, business and just kind of an empire and colonialism, and, uh, you know, and I, the heart yeah, of it this... comes down to just love, love of like the things that are around you, your neighborhood, and seeing the the reality of how again filled with dignity they are, um, and how again we grow stronger communities when we care about those things in common. You know, it took a long time to defeat Notting Hill, too, because even though they were vastly outnumbered, they should have been crushed. They were very wise in they handled, how they handled the battles, turning off the gas lamps, threatening to unleash all the water from the water tower. And so they were able to hold on for decades, a couple decades. And that's what right. I think the, the themes there is that it's the common man the common mm-hmm. everyday man that has an important role in his community. And you see some of these tendencies in that period of, like, you know, the power is just those at the top, those who are uh, kind of in political office. And he, that's the one of the main tenets of distributism is that the main focus of, of uh, local community is with it, the individual citizens and how they build up their friendships. They, they work their different arts, their there are uh, there's different economies, there are different jobs. Like All of that is the foundation of a strong economy and, and community. Well, and Notting Hill was not easy to crush, just as the faithful are not. Exactly. I, I, think, I, I think, Father Slaughter, what you've done, uh, Chesterton has this famous quote that he says where it kind of describes his political position and stuff and where his faith comes into his life. And, and, and he... He said that um, the whole modern world has divided itself into conservatives and progressives. The business of progressives is to go on making mistakes. The business of conservatives is to prevent the mistakes from being corrected. And I think, I think he saw himself as like that common man in, in the midst of it where, where you're not giving yourself to an ideology. You're giving yourself to a living divine person, Jesus Christ, who is actually interested in, in being the God man who's divine and human and the, the two are friends. And, and then how, and that's where the common person comes in and why he's so important or essential to creation. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, particularly for me, uh, I got to kind of see this lived in action. Uh, when I was in Italy, there's a group in a town called San Benedetto del Tronto, uh, that is inspired by Chester and they set up these little different, uh, Agencies and again in their local community to just uh, develop and grow and build kind of these these models that almost like its own Napoleon Notting Hill. Uh, they actually have a Pump Street office where they they produce kind of supplies and materials and uh, they their focus is particularly following uh, Chesterton's directions of uh, that kind of care as common people for their community and uh, how they can really celebrate their the livelihood of their town. It's very interesting to see people put literary works into life. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So let's, uh, we just have a couple of minutes left here. Let's just uh, um, give some time to some summary comments in terms of uh, what are kind of the main things that stay with each of you that uh, Chesterton is relaying and hopes to relay to his readers uh, through the Napoleon of Notting Hill. And Nancy, if you want to go ahead and get us started. I would just say the importance of faith, believing in a righteous cause, willing to defend what is near and dear to the people's heart, and also that the little guy has a say in world events, and people can never forget that. Right. And Father Slattery? Yeah, I think the book uh, definitely, it's not a kind of a prophetic book, but it's almost a way in which Chesterton is kind of speaking out about the, the problems of his current day and the fact that no one really cares about uh, who's leading, that it's almost seem arbitrary who's leading, no one's stepping up to fix the problems, and it's almost a call for kind of the individuals uh, who are filled with faith and have a heart for the truth to step forward um, into that space of a vacuum uh, to take over, to build something that's going to last. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that that cynicism can creep into life today, too. And, yeah, and he said it into democracy itself. And so, uh, mm-hmm. once again, Father Slattery and uh, you guys, you have you've challenged us, you brought us forward, and like, hey, there is something good that we can get out of this uh, difficult. Would, Amen to would that. You like, would you like to hear of next month's election? Yes, we certainly so, would. That is where we're okay. headed, yeah. Uh, the titles for next week, there are two short stories. One is The Scarlet Ibis by James Hurst, and the other is Raymond's Run by Tony Cade Bambara. And they really speak of siblings and how they deal with the disabilities of their brothers. I, I love I love this because you always two things I'm, I've never heard these stories not familiar with them I'm very excited to look into them and um, you guys do not disappoint it's always it's, this is always this is quality airtime right, real presence right. and, and we need our horizons broadened so definitely uh, Nancy and Father Slattery thank you so much for taking this time to be with us and uh, blessings to you and and as as we go forward of course thank always you, my pleasure thank you. Thank you. And again, the title of this novel we spoke about today is The Napoleon of Notting Hill by G.K. Chesterton. Well, up next, uh, we want to hear from you. So get those questions ready about all things uh, faith, religion, and what's going on in our world. Straight Talk is coming up next. We're on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 